season two of the Draft Zone, Lord of the Rings podcast today. We're doing a fantasy football draft. Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster, and this one's got me excited, Mark. How, how big of a yeah. fan of you of Lord of the Rings? Like, how, how much do you like it? Oh, I am a huge fan. I love Lord of the Rings. It's like a whole huge, like, rite of passage in my house, too. My dad's a big Lord of the Rings guy, and but he didn't want us to just see it when we were young. He, he made it a, a sort of, I don't know if you want to call it a coming of age thing, but he, <laughs> he required that we read The Hobbit before we were allowed to watch Lord of the Rings. And so I probably watched it around, like, I don't know. I was probably like 12 years old when I was allowed to watch, when, when we finally sat down and mm-hmm. watched it. I think he just wanted me to really appreciate it the first time around. So he had me read the book, had me watch it. And then a year later, I forced my little brother to read the book so then I could watch it again because we kind of we didn't just watch it <laughs> randomly. Like it was it was sort of a it, it was a, a tradition in our house. So I love Lord of the Rings. Uh, I've geeked out over it for quite a while, but I've been pretty distant from it for a couple of years just because, you know, just haven't watched it in a while. And uh, there hasn't been a reason to watch it mm-hmm. except for in the context of the Hobbit movies. And so uh but a huge fan, probably my favorite like movie franchise, uh, just out of anything, and uh, can definitely say I'm a certified fan. I know I have one friend that I think his mom had to read him like every Harry Potter book before they were they could watch like the Harry Potter movie. So are you saying that you had to like watch? Yeah, did you read like each Lord of the Rings books before you watched, or just The Hobbit, or? Just The Hobbit. Okay. He wanted us to read The Hobbit because he enjoyed The Hobbit as a book. And then it can act as sort of like the prelude to Lord of the Rings. Also, I don't know how many of you have read uh, the Lord of the Rings books, but those are those are heavy reads. And so for someone who's only like 10 years old, unless you're a really avid reader, those are those could be pretty brutal to get through. They're awfully descriptive, awfully... They're dense, uh, I would say. And so... I don't actually think I've read through the entire Lord of the Rings books. Uh, I should definitely get around to it at some point in my life. But uh, he had us read The Hobbit. It did not require reading of the of the trilogy, though. I was, I guess, my whole grade had to uh, read The Hobbit for, I think it was seventh grade. We all read it. Uh, the, the Hobbit was coming out pretty, I think, close thereafter. But the, the teacher loved The Hobbit and... I felt like I could grasp it. And I tried to read the Lord of the Rings. I only got through the the Fellowship of the Ring and just, I never, I thought I was going to read them all after reading The Hobbit. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And then just never, never got around to them all. <laughs> right. So for the Lord of the Rings, how, how do you compare it to like Harry Potter or I guess Game of Thrones? I know you like it more, but do you think it holds up? Uh, very well compared to those other movies and I guess um, series. I think that Lord of the Rings uh, holds up especially against Harry Potter I think there's some things about Harry Potter that did not age too well um, cu- a couple of JK Rowling's uh, flaws as a person <laughs> have started to come through when I go back and reflect on some of the things about Harry Potter I mean you could talk about some of the, the stereotypes that are rife in the Harry Potter series. So I would say that uh, Lord of the Rings doesn't have as many of those. So uh, from my reflection, so I think it holds up in that regard. I don't think the graphics uh, put you out of it and think, oh, wow, this is so to that early 2000s mm-hmm. graphics. Like, obviously, they're not as good as we could pull off now, but they don't 
take it doesn't away look from like star wars the graphics they had yeah and those movies kind of pull you out sometimes which the lord of the right. Rings doesn't actually but, no and i mean partially that's because of peter jackson's um obsession with practical effects like he 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 tried not to use special effects when possible obviously you have the case with Gollum and other cases where it's purely special effects but he very much tried to be practical with most of the things he did in those movies uh, and then when it comes to Game of Thrones um I would say Lord of the Rings walks so Game of Thrones could run but really Lord of the Rings is still good but Game of Thrones definitely capitalized of a lot of things that Lord of the Rings did correctly and then took it up a notch with uh first off having a longer series and having better production value despite being a tv show uh, just because of the advancement of technology and and cinema since uh, the lord of the rings but i think lord of the rings holds up pretty well for the most part i think it's still very watchable to this day yeah that's what i was i was kind of surprised by that because i ended up re-watching them over thanksgiving break and this episode will come out towards the end of december i believe but it's just it surprised me how well I was never like taken out of the movie being like, Oh, those graphics mm-hmm. are bad or that. I mean, you could tell that it was two thousands every once in a while. I'd be like, okay, but it's, it was nothing jarring, nothing like, Oh gosh, they really uh, shouldn't have used that there. And I think it is like you pointed out the the practical effects they try to use. And then I just think like the amazing world building that they have in, in the Lord of the Rings is why it holds up. Like it just feels very well thought out and the the movies to me you can just watch one of them and i don't think you have to watch like they all hold up like as one singular movie but also tie into the other movies so well which Mm -hmm. i really enjoy which i feel like harry potter you kind of i don't think they hold up one singular movie can hold up like a lord of the rings one movie can yeah but the hobbit came out and i would say some mixed reactions for the hobbit i enjoyed it but obviously a lot of people thinks the big mistake is, you know, you had three books, three movies, one book, three movies, and that's mm-hmm. difficult to do. But did you enjoy The Hobbit? And if if you would do anything differently, what would, what would you do for The Hobbit? I enjoyed The Hobbit. There, there are no Lord of the Rings movies. And like you said, it's very stretched out. They had to add a lot of stuff in here. Like, I mean, I don't know how many people have read the book, but the Pale Orc is entirely just not a part of the book. Like, that is just not a thing. That is entirely uh, a director produced. That was the movie's own creation. And so that's a whole entire arc, an entire storyline that was not in the books. Uh, here's the thing, though. The Hobbit is a weird book in the way that it it goes the way the the story progresses it's very unmovie like in a way it doesn't it's not as traditional lord of the rings at least still has some typical structure obviously the journey aspect of it is still uh, still there but the hobbit very much is like just going from point to point to point and then you get to your conclusion it's much less about building up on itself and continuing to then have that climax to reach that point. It's all more isolated and different stories a little bit as it builds up to reaching um, the dragon and all that stuff. I think it would have been better as a TV series where you could have small episodes and you go and they can be kind of like isolated incidents that, that just lead up to then the season finale. It could be one season of the Hobbit where you don't, where we, we have about 12 hours, uh, roughly, I imagine, of 
or more like 10 hours of, of movie. And we, if it was more like uh, an eight part mini series where the episodes were maybe 45 minutes long, then you could have about an eight to seven hour show that I think would have done a lot better. Which is kind of funny because when it came out, TV, we're kind of like in a peak TV stage in a way. The pandemic's mm-hmm. thrown that off a little bit, but TV has gotten more out there. We've gotten a lot of miniseries and good miniseries. And I, I actually think that would, that would be great for something like The Hobbit. And just speaking about TV, I mean, Amazon has, I believe, ordered or bought the rights to five seasons of a Lord of the Rings TV series. And it's like 3,000, I don't know. It's a lot of years before where the Lord of the Rings takes. So it's completely different. I don't know the lore of the whole Lord of the Rings enough to, to dive in deep about that, but I'm excited. I think it'll be different. And I think it'll have a pretty big following, I assume, especially when you got something like Game of, the Th- Game of Thrones uh, being so successful, I expect the Lord of the Rings to be a TV show to be very successful as well. Yeah, for me, I haven't really thought about it too much. Uh, it's kind of flying under the radar almost, uh, in my opinion. And for me, I, I'm kind of happy about that because then I could go in with no expectations. Mm-hmm. But I really don't need any because I don't need more Lord of the Rings. Like, honestly, I didn't even really need the Hobbit movies. Like, uh, the Lord of the Rings is such a just a good, compact, complete little story where I felt content with everything afterwards. So I didn't need more. Obviously, I loved it. And afterwards, I was dreading the fact that I didn't have more to watch. But it wasn't like there were, t- there were plot lines that I thought were were still unanswered or anything like that so i could just kind of go in and take it for what it is and if it's good great more great lord of the rings content if it's not then whatever i still have the original movies that are unchanged by what this series does whereas you know like game of thrones obviously the last two seasons kind of sour some people's opinions of the show as a whole whereas i don't think we really will have that effect with this show you don't really need, you don't feel like you need like some spinoff series. Like I guess Star Wars is kind of doing that where they want some solo mm-hmm. films for a little bit, but I'm not like, I'm not craving like a Gandalf solo movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't need that. And I think that is something that's good about the Lord of the Rings. I think it would be interesting to see when those movies get remade because they, they've got to at some point, hopefully it's a long time, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's just uh a studio is going to see the amount of money they'll be able to bring in. I don't think it, it'll be hard. To, it'll be a difficult task forever ends up being put mm. in charge of a, of a remake. So that, that'll be something we'll have to wait and see if that ever happens down the line. That could be way years down the line. Best movie, Mark. For me, it's the Fellowship of the Ring. It's the first one, personally. I really enjoy that movie. I think it honestly has the most important scene for the for the franchise for me and it's the scene and i think it could get glossed over and you probably don't think about that much as a a very important scene but i think when bilbo baggins in the beginning where he's at the party for himself and then puts Mm -hmm. the ring on disappears go back and gandalf is surprises bilbo that he's there i think that scene about seeing the weight of the ring and what it can do to someone is very important what about this ring of yours? Is that staying too? Yes, yes. Say an envelope over there on the mantelpiece. 
No. Wait, it's... Here in my pocket. <laughs> isn't that... Isn't that odd now? the ring behind, Is that so hard? Well, no. And yes. Now it comes to it. I don't feel like parting with it. It's mine. I found it. It came to me. There's no need to get angry. Well, if I'm angry, it's your fault. It's mine. It's been called that before. The acting in that is very important because if you can't sell that scene and your kind of first uh, realization of the ring and what it does to people, I think the movies won't hold as much weight around the ring because if the ring, if you don't buy into the ring and what it does to people, the movies don't work. And they, they have obviously other parts uh where you see what happens to people when they're around the ring for extended amount of times or even short amount of times but i think if that scene throws you off and you don't buy into it i think we have an issue with the uh the movie franchise as a whole and i think it's just good acting and that's probably why i really like the fellowship of the ring is that part and then also throughout it i just think it's good pacing and i like the character development and as an intro for movies, I think it's a very, very good intro because it's a difficult task to introduce how many characters they have. And I think they yeah, do it it's well a overall. tall order, which I just I just think it's uh, <laughs> the I mean, I just want to reiterate how good of an introduction for the characters are because that can be one of the more difficult things to do. And I I'm just thankful they they did it well, because you could get characters for a little bit amount of time and they could just kind of be like plot devices in a way or very uh one-dimensional which i don't feel like many other characters are yeah i I agree the fellowship of the ring did a really good job of of bringing you in and bringing you in pretty quickly i would say and being able to introduce the nazgul early on and and getting that sort of urgency that meant that the hobbits did have to leave uh, the Shire, that there wasn't, it wasn't just they decided to leave and now they're in this dangerous world. The dangerous world was coming for them. And, and once you felt that urgency and you felt the importance of the ring, even if you didn't know everything, you, you were on board with them going on this mission. But for me, my favorite movie has to be the next one, The Two Towers. I really enjoyed The Two Towers. There's a lot that goes on that I really enjoy. Um, uh, the Battle for Helm's Deep may be one of my favorite moments in cinema history i just love the how they set up the the despair that it almost has it is over you said this fortress would never fall while your men defended they still defend it they have died defending it No other way for the women and children to get out of the caves. Is there no other way? 
There is one passage. It leads into the mountains. But they will not get far. The Urukai are too many. Send word for the women and children to make for the mountain pass and barricade the entrance. So much death. What can men do against such reckless hate? And I love seeing, uh, I mean, the action's great, but really it's the whole, the tone of the whole thing is really dramatic. It's really, the tension is high. And I just really love that whole battle. I think that's the best one in the series. Um, and, and I love the introduction of some of the characters in Rohan because you know that, you know, they're, they're good people at heart, but they've got some flaws. They've got some beefs. They've got some things that are keeping them from being people like Aragorn who kind of just stop whatever there was they were doing and, and then go along this fellowship to try to save the world uh, almost. Whereas some of these other characters, they have their own, they have their own challenges, their own issues, and they don't want to be bothered with some foolish looking quest. But eventually some of them come around after understanding the importance. And I just thought that that, along with some of the character development and growth that happens in the two towers, is all really good. And I mean, if we're picking favorites, it's almost like picking children for me, though. I love all three of these movies and I have reasons to like all three of them. But I think the two towers, I just loved how it turns it up a notch from the Fellowship of the Ring. And uh, I don't know. I just think it's a great, great movie. You mentioned that The Hobbit, you think, could be a possible TV show nowadays or miniseries. And when I was re-watching these, I, I kind of thought that The Lord of the Rings, because they just like pretty much take off where they left off every movie. And it just mm. feels like a continuous nine, ten hours, I guess, if you mm. watch. I don't know what the extended editions end up being. But it just feels kind of like a TV show because you're just leaving off and I... And I felt like this could be a TV show. I don't, I don't need it to be a TV show. But I, honestly, I was like, man, this could totally be like a 10-episode season where they have – there's points where there's easy cliffhanger points where you're like, oh, got to watch the next episode. It just felt like a mm. Netflix kind of thing. Do you think The Lord of the Rings could survive as a, as a TV show? I don't want it to, but do you think it could, could do that in this day and age? I think it could carry. The issue with TV shows is they like to go – kind of long and i feel like some of the best tv shows in my opinions are the ones that knew how they were going to close it before they even started and the lord of the rings would have that in its favor that you pretty much have everything you need already and, and we saw that game of thrones had success so you know that something of epic proportions can be done as long as you have the budget and you're putting the resources into it but i think it could hold up but like you said i don't really think we need it characters uh, we've done this a little bit different ways and the drafts in the season thus far but i i kind of wanted to talk about if you were like in or out on the characters if you if you were bought into them or not if you like them or not and are you in and out on aragorn do you like him or not um i like aragorn obviously there, there might be some people that argue he may not be flawed enough as a character but I was actually watching a video earlier because I was, uh, I was just trying to get myself back into the, the uh, I almost said Star Wars, back into the Lord <laughs> of the Rings mood. I was listening to music. I was watching some videos and someone talked about just how great of like an example of a man Aragorn is because he's like this manly dude who, who, you know, slices off heads. He's a, he becomes a king. He leads chat wars, but he also is like, he, he's also this very emotional guy who is very caring and, and compassionate and loving to people. And, 
I thought it was a really great video that I watched about it. It was talking about how he's like, he's a great example, kind of a great role model for people to model themselves off of. You don't have to be this macho tough dude all the time. Even if you're slicing off orc heads, like you can, you can be a compassionate, caring person who has, I hate to say a sensitive side, but has, has emotions and is willing to express them. And I think that that makes me really like Aragorn in that regard. Obviously I think he could have used something that was sort of like his, Achilles heel or, or something like that that really showed that he had an issue and he had some but I definitely think he could have been more flawed but I, I bought in on him Gimli Gimli I bought him for what he was he's not a super deep character but I love Gimli he's just kind of one of those fun guys in the group how do you feel about Saruman for because he's kind of used as as a villain and you know, like a uh, I guess if there's a it would be uh, your top villain then b would probably be Saruman do you do you think he's a a good foe in these these movies overall I think he fits the role he was supposed to fit he he, he I don't think he really was supposed to be the b villain you know he was more of an example uh, like, like the glaring example of how even the seemingly most powerful people can be uh, poisoned by the power that Sauron has and by the, the promise of, of glory that he can bring. I don't think he was as much another villain that needed to be conquered. Obviously, he needed to be stopped, but I felt he, he was more a, a, a foil to how Gandalf rejected all of that and even though Gandalf seemed a little weird and standoffish and traditional at times about the way he was living his life we got to see what happened to a wizard who was a little more open about you know just checking checking out new powers checking out new re, new uh, options in, in Sauron who eventually ended up being his his downfall. Speaking of Gandalf I think Gandalf's kind of one of those weird dudes that doesn't tell you everything but like knows things at points like in points of the movies he kind of comes off kind of coachy to me in a way mm-hmm. where like he he isn't willing to like he knows like a situation's gonna happen and he could easily possibly resolve the situation but instead he like lets the team play out this scenario and like learn from it which is kind of funny to me but how do you how do you like Gandalf <laughs> overall uh, I mean, it's hard because I, I, I'm attached to most of these characters, so I love Gandalf, but I definitely think there may have been a time or two where a teaching moment may not have been appropriate at the time. <laughs> and so <laughs> uh, there, there's definitely a difference, though, between um, entirely a plot hole and something that may would have been sort of like, eh, okay, I mean, I guess that's okay. Um, and Gandalf probably was more along the latter of those lines. I don't think Gandalf really ever broke the movie or any of the movies, but he definitely made some things harder than they could have been. But all in all, I mean, how can you hate him? We can do Gollum, and then we can just, if you have any more characters you wanted to talk about, but how do, how do you feel about Gollum slash Smeagol overall? I mean, I think he's pretty important. I think that uh, you know you don't like him, and that's his entire role. And I think he balances really well with Sam actually in the movies and then he also proves as sort of the almost the voice in Frodo's head uh, because you get to see what Bilbo was like after a couple years with or after a couple of decades or so with the ring and then you get to see what happened to Gollum when he had the ring for even longer 
and so you get that constant reminder that Frodo can't keep the ring forever or else he's gonna look more and more like Gollum and I think Gollum although a little silly at times he he definitely shows the almost childish obsession over the ring and because Bilbo's like that too he's he's almost like a kid who doesn't want to give away his candy and so I, I and then Frodo starts to demonstrate that as the movie moves on so I think Gollum really does his part in demonstrating the kind of damage the ring does any other characters that you wanted to speak on uh give shout outs to or any other that just uh rubbed you the wrong way um my favorite character in the show sam sam's just he's the guy you know you gotta love sam he's such a just apt kind and he he's also just got he's got this charm to him that i just really Mm -hmm. love and was attached to um and you gotta love his his dedication, um, but I don't know. I, I pretty much like all the characters in this movie in this series. I would say Galadriel is really the only one that I always kind of like. Mm, kind of knew Gandalf way that she just knows things and then she'll say them whenever it's appropriate. And I always kind of she always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I I could see that. I think she's she, I could see her rubbing people the wrong way. And her scenes are definitely interesting and out there in a way but we move on to good bad scenes and something that i don't necessarily buy into every single time is kind of when Gollum puts up a fight in a way against sam basically sam i guess i can get over the frodo fact because he's bearing the heavy weight and he's not in the right mindset but sam's got like probably a buck 50 on Gollum. And I don't understand mm-hmm. how I get Gollum's crazy and he wants that ring and's willing mm-hmm. to do anything for it. But he's so tiny. I just don't I don't understand it. Like I get it, like you need it, but sometimes I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't get why uh Sam can't just like destroy this guy and outwit him in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Because Gollum is is a lunatic at the end of the day. And yeah. I, I don't understand how he can't just outwit him and, and be able to take him in a fight i know he's able to defend frodo but he's never really able to you know deal with that situation till the very end yeah you're talking about like the very end when they struggle with fighting him mm-hmm. um i mean i guess at the end it makes sense because the sam and frodo are like on the brink of exhaustion at the end of the show and sam literally just carried like frodo up the, up the <laughs> mountain so I, I think you can kind of reason with it but i also understand uh, and then on top of that Gollum was literally willing to bite Frodo's fingers off so yeah. like he, uh, there I guess there's some reasons you can believe it but it does seem a little odd that he can't just like grab his like stick like leg and just Hulk smash him <laughs> into like Loki into into the ground something like that but I guess I could see where you're coming from for me when I talk when we talk about like good bad scenes there are a couple there, there are some cheesy moments in Lord of the Rings yeah and I embrace them wholeheartedly but uh, one that I think is really cheesy and uh, I enjoy is in The Return of the King when they're in Minas Tirith and they're trying to figure out how to uh, distract the, the eye and distract everyone uh, from Frodo and Sam who are in Mordor at this point. And they're talking about like having an entire just fake battle to distract them. Not fake battle, but a battle to distract from the actual goal. And Gimli says, uh, and I quote, certainty of death small chance of success what are we waiting for certainty of death small chance of success 
What are we waiting for? And I just think that's such a cheesy line, but I love it. <laughs> I think it's great. And it's so accepting of, yeah, we've done some pretty crazy things throughout this series, but well, we're going to do one more crazy thing because we got to, we have to in order to win. And I, I don't know. I love it. It's pretty cheesy. It's, 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 uh, it's an amusing line. And uh, I, I embrace it wholeheartedly like everything else. There are some, some cheesy moments in, mm-hmm. in the, the show and I guess the movies, but I, I, I do buy into it, I guess. And I, I, it's kind of shockingly, but it, it holds up for me, even though I know there's cheesy moments coming. Mm-hmm. But another thing on Gimli that kind of confused me, and I don't know if it fits into the, the good, bad scene category, was when he didn't really know about his dead kin. Because it seems like it's been a good bit since they were dead. I just don't understand how no one told him. Yeah. It seemed like Gandalf probably knew. It was one of those situations where I was like, why didn't Gandalf tell him before he got there? Why didn't he like let him get there? It's like, oh, yeah, you're dead. Your kin's dead. I was, I was, I was like, Gandalf, come on, man. Like, this is, this is awful. Like, some reason he still thinks they're alive, which I just found weird in itself. But this is like this is like Avatar Aang finding Monkey Atso in the ruins of his <laughs> old his old temple. Like it, you're you're asking for the worst possible reaction to hearing this and discovering this news. But good bad scenes. I think when the this like supernatural nine people don't just like kill F- Frodo. It's when they just uh, I believe the Witch King just stabs him, kind of pierces mm-hmm. him a little bit. Because they can, like, it seems like they can see him. And it just seems weird that they were very, like, slow to do anything about it. And overall, those characters, they're hyped up a lot. And and I, I love the scenes with them. But also, like, they really don't do too much where, like, anytime they face, like, a significant character on the the good side of good and evil mm. they don't really put up much of a fight like they get taken down no they don't which just kind of sucks because i wish they were able to at least do something significant because they're to me they're hyped up like they're going to be a big issue and they really they're gonna kill someone yeah. yeah i wish they killed i wish they just had a big moment where they killed a significant character in a way any more good bad scenes for you um, not that I could think of off the top of my head. Alrighty. Well, we can move into two truths and a lie. And just like the previous episodes, I give three facts, statements, quotes. Uh, generally do episode titles and once a lie, but we had to change it up for this episode. People have done pretty well, Mark. There's people have gotten three for three on these, uh, I believe so far, the ones that I've recorded, the worst one was one for three. So I think two for three is a good score. Three for three is great. You don't want a zero, obviously, but you <laughs> yeah. seem like you know Lord of the Rings well enough. And Let's get it. From, from what you had earlier, I, I think you're going to get a, one of them that I thought maybe I was going to be able to trick you, what you said earlier. <laughs> so that's, that's a bummer. But all right. First section is random facts. The budget for the Hobbit movie is over two times the budget for the Lord of the Rings movies. And that's all the Hobbit movies and all the Lord of the Rings movies. Okay. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal auditioned for the part of Frodo. The Battle of Helm's Deep, 
took two months to shoot and I can repeat any of them. Uh, so which of those is a lie? Yes. Um, I'm going to go with Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that's a lie. Is he right? Oh, Mark, you're not right. Oh, no. It's, he actually did try out, and apparently he didn't know how to uh, – he didn't know he was going to need, like, a British accent or something, and they said <laughs> one of the worst auditions they had. But oh, boy. <laughs> the Battle of Helm's Deep actually took four months to shoot. Oh, man, I was thinking, time. like – I was thinking, like, wow, two months, like – yeah, I think it lasted a long time, mm-hmm. but I was underestimating just how long it took. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, two months does seem – I know I kind of – it's they're a little bit tricky sometimes because yeah, yeah. it's kind tricky, of a half-truth. But the quotes tricky, tricky. are half – the lie is a half-truth in a way. It's, like, switched up a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm confident that you're, that you're going to get this quote section. But here we go. First quote is, A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins, nor is he early. He arrives pricely when he means to. That was Gandalf. Uh, mm. Quote number two, certainty of failure, small chance of survival. What are we waiting for? That was Gimli. Mm-hmm. Quote number three, I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. A promise. Don't leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. And that was Sam. Um, it's got to be that middle one because it's a small chance of success, not small chance of survival he's right there it is and i and when you quoted it i was like great i was like man i don't, I don't have time to go find another quote kind of yeah i was like ah oh, he knows it but there you I go <laughs> all right so the final one I, I generally have an episode titles section but obviously i think uh me switching one title of the movies would be would be pretty easy for you <laughs> i don't see you missing out so I kind of did like lore of the ring. So it's kind of facts uh, involving the ring itself and things around it. All right. So fact number one is Sauron dies when the ring is destroyed. Fact number two, if Gandalf wore the ring, he'd be worse than Sauron, according to uh, Tolkien. Fact number three, the ring changes its size to fit its bearer. And I can repeat any of them. Okay. Well, I know the last one is true. Um, right. And hmm, if Gandalf wore the ring, he'd be worse than Sauron. And when the ring was dropped into Mount Doom, the uh, so, Sauron, Sauron was, was destroyed. Sauron was destroyed. Um, I guess no, no, was, the middle. Sorry, I said that wrong. Sauron dies when the ring is destroyed. Sauron dies when the ring is destroyed. Um, uh, I feel like this is a trick question, but I, I got to go with I gotta go with the middle one. I think Gandalf would not have been worse than Sauron. He would have been pretty bad, but he wouldn't have been as bad as Sauron had he uh, possessed the ring. Is he right? You're wrong, Mark. Oh, it's, no. I, I kind of messed you up a little bit on the first, because it's... Uh, I said Sauron dies when the ring is destroyed. And then when I repeated it the second time, I said it a little bit wrong. But he's actually just destroyed in a way. Apparently, like, he becomes basically because he gives so much in, of himself into the ring where, like, he's just small and, like, can't do he's, much. He's not really a living being. He's just yeah. an entity of, of sorts. So he just mm-hmm. can only be destroyed. Okay, that makes sense. Which it's kind of one of those things where I don't think it's, like, super clear 
and the movies, mm-hmm. so it's kind of tricky. But the the Gandalf for the Ring, apparently in one of the letters they found, which family of Tolkien have been dissecting and creating more lore, he, he said he would technically be worse than Sauron, which we kind of see with Galadriel. We, we see how she's, you know, her, what she would be like with the Ring mm-hmm. and stuff. And apparently Gandalf would be pretty evil. And it's thankful that we never see what he would be like. Mm-hmm. But... We can move on to the draft section of this podcast and we're doing a fantasy football draft today. And I think a lot of these players want to be uh, characters want to be too bad on the football field. Some of them would be definitely, but I think there's some (laughs) that I I could, that can make the argument. So I have some weird picks, but that's, that's what you got to do when you're in a, in a weird world, like Lord of the Rings, but yeah, exactly. got Got a QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end and a kicker. So you can pick first, Mark. Obviously, the rules are we can't pick the same characters, and it's just like fantasy football. These people don't have to play on the same team, so they don't have to work well together. Mm-hmm. It's just about getting fantasy points. So who's that number one overall pick for you, Mark? Um, so typically, it's not standard to draft your quarterback first overall, but when when it comes to the logic behind that, it's because there's so many quarterbacks who could score you a lot of points that it, the difference between like uh you're the fourth best quarterback and the 15th best quarterback is not a lot like you can Justin Herbert's gonna do almost just as well as Aaron Rodgers most days even though Aaron Rodgers is a much better quarterback uh but in the case of the Lord of the Rings world I don't have too many quarterbacks that I feel too confident about so I'm gonna go with a quarterback first and I think he's the obvious choice for quarterback and that's Legolas uh, this guy sharpshooter he's gonna hit the he's gonna hit, hit the ball on the money every time and not to mention he's such a styler a flaunter he's <laughs> always gonna put up a lot of yardage because he's gonna want to be a part of the game plan every single week he, he, he's gonna be throwing the ball all over creation because he wants to prove that he's going to be looking to break yards records every single season he plays so he's gonna be great uh, as my quarterback and so I'm drafting Legolas first overall uh, because I feel like he's just a league above all the other QB options in this, uh, in this world. I agree. I think he would, he would be very floaty. He would, he would have some amazing highlights and he would be a pretty great QB. I, I thought maybe I, I didn't think I was going to take him first. I thought maybe if he dropped for some reason to a kicker position, I could see him being a good kicker. I mean, he has mm-hmm. the word leg in his in his name so i was i was just i was hoping he might survive to that point but obviously he gets taken number one overall and i think i want to go wide receiver first i I would normally go running back but i think my running backs are kind of weird and i hope you don't take them Mm -hmm. but this this might be a mistake but I'm, Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go wide receiver and i said i didn't love this character earlier in a way and it didn't love the nine but I, i'm gonna go witch king uh the head of the okay nine i think he's tall big and athletic he feels like he would be a top prospect to me he might not always mm-hmm. live up to his potential but i feel like he would get hyped from the high school and go to a uh, ohio state alabama type of guy and mm-hmm. he just seems like he'd be a great deep threat hard to tackle and i think he would put up a oh, lot yeah. of a lot of points uh I guess if I compare him to someone, maybe I'll throw out like a DK Metcalf type of comparison. Just a yeah, tough, yeah. gritty guy that uh, 
a lot of people would struggle with with covering. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Witch King for my wide receiver. All right. Um, I had Witch King as a wide receiver on my board as well. So uh, I'm gonna go with. So this guy I have listed in actually three different positions, but I know the one I want him in, and that is at running back. I'm gonna take Aragorn. I'm gonna take him at running back. He's got an endless motor. He's a guy you can rely on week in and week out. And I think that he'll put up numbers even on a bad day. So you're never going to be stuck with like a four point game. Like he's going to get you 10 points at least. And that's going to be a bad day. And on a normal day, he'll get you that 20 points you're kind of looking for week in and week out from a good running back. So I'm going to go with Aragorn here. Uh, I think that he is a part of every game plan uh, for any team he plays with. I like it. I had him in different positions as well, because I think he's, He's pretty flexible. A, yeah, he's a pretty athletic guy. You mentioned earlier how, you know, he doesn't have any flaws. So possibly mm-hmm. you, could, you could throw him in that way. And, man, I think I want to go wide receiver again. I'm, not, I, I'm actually close to going tight end, which is kind of weird. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. you've thought about this uh, person as a, as a tight end. I'm just not mm. – all right, I'll go I tight have a weird, end. I have some weird tight ends. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go tight end, and this 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 person might be a little op, uh, but I'm I'm gonna go tree beard. Yep, he's end. my top tight end. Okay. He's my top tight end. <laughs> I, I was. I'm glad I went with him because he's he's got to be the top tight end, and he. I mean, he's a tall end. He would be very fast. I don't think. I mean. He takes up yards pretty quick. Uh, hard to take down. Mm-hmm. Seems like a team guy. I know it doesn't matter for fantasy football. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be pretty touchdown heavy. But I think the biggest thing is he'd be reliable. And he would have a, a long career. It doesn't seem like he would get injured much often. Mm-hmm. And maybe if, you're, if we're in a keeper league or something, you're, you're able to hang on a tree beard for a very long time. So that's yeah. my, my tight end pick. I don't think Treebeard's going to get you a bunch of yards like a Travis Kelsey, but I think he's going to catch a touchdown just about every single week because he's just such a red zone threat. Um, for me, I'm going to go with my second running back and just check off the box with running backs. And I'm going to go with Aomir, who is the leader of the Riders of Rohan. I think he's just got, much like Aragorn, his motor lasts really long. He, he's pretty powerful. He's not going to, he's a downhill runner. And I think that much like Aragorn in my running backs, I enjoy having guys who I know aren't going to have absolute goose egg games. I want guys who I know are going to give me points week in and week out, even if they're not as maybe as explosive as some other running backs. I, I like the consistency from them to give me a good floor when it comes to uh, week in and week out when I'm going to score. And Aomir and Aragorn are two guys who I think fit into that category really well. They're going to, they're going to check that box every single week. I think I got to go running back as well here because, you know, they're, they're getting taken off and it's something that I normally fill in early on in my normal mm-hmm. fantasy draft. So it is weird. I went wide receiver and then tight end. I'm going to go Gimli actually for a running back. And it, it might be weird, but he just seems like a small type of bruiser type of guy, kind of a bulldozer mm-hmm. willing to run over people. Uh, go straight towards him. Doesn't care. He's a, he's a fighter. He has that cheesy quote you said. I don't think he cares. I think he'd run between the tackles, straight on at people. Maybe not picking up big burst plays, but I think he would get so many touches where those three, some bigger uh, 
rushes of seven yards, it, it would just add up a lot. And I think you get touches, mm-hmm. you know, down at the goal line a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I think that's where I really love him. He might actually be more of a fullback if the fullbacks existed in the NFL. But he's mm-hmm. going to be my, my running back for my team. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of like a Legarrette Blunt of sorts, where uh, much like Trebier, he's not maybe he's not going to have a 120 yard rushing game, but he'll have three touchdowns because they'll get to the goal line and he gets the ball every single time. Kind of kind of like Marshawn Lynch for a couple of years, where he wasn't mm-hmm. like where he wasn't at his elusive best, but he always got the ball on the goal line. Uh, so he'll get you the points you need in order to to stay competitive in any game. Uh, I'm going to go with my tight end now. And this guy's my second tight end. I also had him as a running back, but I, I'm going to take him as a tight end. I'm going to go with Boromir. I think he's got a great stocky build, and I think he's kind of got the arrogance uh, of a Travis Kelsey or, or cockiness of a George Kittle, and he's going to get the ball a lot. I think that if you have him on your team, you're going to rely on him because he's strong. He can take a lot of beating himself. I mean, take a look at how he died. He took out a bunch, a bunch of rabble uh, with – arrows in his chest so mm-hmm. I think he's going to be the kind of guy that he's who you throw to on third down and he'll make a big 15 yard play and he'll add the extra yards he may not get a bunch of touchdowns but he'll get me yards week in and week out plays through injuries you'd be questionable pretty much every week of fantasy <laughs> yes, yes and, and you'd you'd be worried about yeah. him but he would be playing and mm-hmm. so that, that I do like the pick he, he would definitely be someone on the injury uh, report running back this one's weird and I don't know how I ended up convincing myself to actually pick this guy but I'm going Gollum and I know I hated on him earlier about that anyone could take him but I think he's shockingly gonna be elusive I think he's a high receiving back out of the, out of the back of the field he might not get all the rushes but I think he's, he's gonna be catching passes and a lot of screen plays for him possibly mm. um he might be one of those guys kind of in that that Patriots offense where they had three running backs and then would randomly be the the go-to guy that week so he might not be yeah, the best yeah. but I think he's lighting his toes when it turn over the ball a lot uh so I I like him it's a it's a weird decision but I think his elusiveness his sneaky elusiveness and his uh if you could convince him to love that ball and never turn it over I think I would uh mm-hmm. I'd be pretty happy with Colin overall Okay, okay. Uh, so next, I'm going with a wide receiver uh, as well. And you, you're the, the top-rated wide receiver was the Witch King, according to Connor. I'm going to go with the Witch King's arch nemesis, Eowyn, who eventually conquers the Witch King. Mm-hmm. I think she, she's a little lighter on her feet than a lot of these guys. A lot of the, the characters in Lord of the Rings, I feel like, are very uh, a more tight-end running back built. But Eowyn's much more agile and would uh, – has but also has the power of you know a, a swordsman that you really like at a wide receiver someone who could be shifty but also uh you know get off of a, a of a press block from a cornerback really well and will get a lot of targets so i'm going to go with her and with my wide receivers where i like to go um right, consistent with running backs with my wide receivers i want them to be people who can have explosion games people who can be kind of like rest in peace my will fuller this season whom would get me 30 point games uh <laughs> he won me my game this past <laughs> weekend in a very close affair so i guess i sacrificed will fuller for the win this week in a really big game i had in fantasy but i, I think aowen's kind of along those lines i 
I guess speaking on on Will Fuller, I'm glad the Packers didn't trade for him now. Uh, <laughs> and I would have been I, upset. I, I would have been very upset. And uh, con- conspiracy theory is that he uh, violated the 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 PD rules, so he didn't have to finish the season with the Texans. Is a one that I want to throw out there that he's like, I'm done with this season. Let me just violate the rules. But I've got two running backs, wide receiver, tight end. I think I want to go QB now. And I do think Legolas is probably the best QB out there, but I want to go someone that's willing to take shots and be experimental. That's why I'm going Saruman. I think he's smart. Okay. Yeah. I think I have him as a quarterback. I think you could argue that he's, Maybe not stronger than Gandalf, but I guess a point he was a little bit maybe. Uh, But I think he would be a good leader. I think he would be on a a team like the Patriots. A lot of people hate it because he he would just have success, but just kind of has cockiness uh, persona about him. But I think he's willing to take risk. He would probably throw an interception or two. But I think I think it's okay because he would get yards and touchdowns, and he's he's just willing to do things other QBs aren't. So I'm going Saruman for my, my quarterback. Okay. Yeah, I had Saruman listed as my third quarterback. I had Aragorn as my second, but I don't need him as a quarterback. So uh, so I got to figure out another wide receiver. And here's where I wish I had drafted Aragorn as a wide receiver and took some of these running backs I have on here. Um, but So I'm going to have to go down my board a little bit. And I'm going to go with Faramir, which is um, a member of Gondor. He's the son of the guy ruling Minas Tirith before uh, Aragorn gets there. He, he's kind of, in certain ways, he kind of is pathetic. But he comes into his own. Uh, if I remember correctly, he's a pretty good marksman. And uh, I think that he could have sneaky good games. He's kind of like your Cole Beasley, almost, where... He's going to be slippery. He's going to have his, like, eight-yard receptions on third down that are going to be important. And he might get himself a touchdown or two. Uh, I really wish there were more receivers that I liked, but I don't really have any more. So I'm going to go with Faramir. Definitely the weakest pick for me of the day. Gladriel. Mm-hmm. And that's my wide receiver pick. I think she is, according to Wikipedia, she's six foot four. I don't know if that's Dang. factual, but apparently she's very tall, according to the lore of Lord of the Rings. I think high reception, candidate. I think she'd be uh, able to run smart routes and quality routes overall. Yeah. Um, maybe in a PPR league, she might be better because I don't see burst, her bursting downfield. But I think, you know, her ability to weirdly communicate with the quarterback, I think uh, her looks. <laughs> they just have that connection, man. <laughs> that, that connection there and her looks might throw uh, uh, defensive backs off a little bit. She seems like she's able to get in the head of opponents. I think uh, she would she would have some fun chirpy moments with uh, defensive backs. But she just seems like a high reception candidate. You know, maybe Jamison Crowder a little bit like every seven yards. It just seems – kind of kind of person like that so that's my wide receiver pick but we're, we're down to that that final round for us mark who's we left our kickers here obviously yeah <laughs> um so first question and uh, if you allow this this is who i'm picking just for the fun of it if not i have someone else who i feel happy picking um can i pick one of the peter jackson cameo characters i i'm cool with it i don't <laughs> i'm going with 
I'm going to go with Peter Jackson in the Two Towers. He throws a rock off of Helm's Deep and hits an orc and successfully <laughs> does it. So Peter Jackson is my kicker, uh, and that completes my team. I, I like it. I like your pick there. I think that's a the very funny pick. And kicker was a difficult position for me. I, I really didn't know who to go with. That's why I thought Legolas. I thought I would get picked before because he's just a talented guy. He seems athletic. Mm-hmm. Seems like a waste for a kicker. Yeah. So I struggled with this to think of someone because I was like, man, I really don't know many people that would be great at it. But I'm going to go with someone that is, that's got a good work ethic. And I think that mm-hmm. would, would practice a lot. And that's Samwise Gamgee. Yeah. I think maybe yep. you want to have the distance. I'm not sure the team would put him in 50 plus yard field goals, but I think mm-hmm. he'd be that kind of guy that if he's 40 yards in, he's not missing. I don't think yeah. he misses PATs. You're not getting negative points there. I think he's a little iffy in the 40 to 50 yard range, but mm-hmm. I think I, I trust him a lot to be able to get the job done and he, and overall as a kicker, even though I don't, I don't know how well he would be, but. I feel like a kicker is a hobbit's job because the hobbits <laughs> have got them nerves of steel as a Gandalf discovered in the Hobbit. And so uh, I had Sam Pippin other guys along those lines who I think would all be good kickers. Uh, but I think Sam's probably the, the cream of the crop in that group. All righty. Well, that, that wraps it up for, for our draft of draft zone episode for lord of the rings it was it was fun but who's a guy you think that has the highest ceiling and just could go off any week on your team mark someone that just could could flourish um i think legolas and aowen are my two like home run hitters i think legolas can be kind of like patrick mahomes and just have 35 point games and aowen's gonna be my uh boom receiver who she can have those games where she just catches three touchdowns and has 150 yards. It's just a day where she is just working on that cornerback and is doing a lot of damage. I think those are my two who they're going to win me big games because they're going to drop 30 plus points. My boomer bus guy, I think is probably Gimli because he seems like he's touchdown reliant and he probably only gets mm-hmm. like 50, 70 yards, sometimes gets uh, over that 100-yard threshold. But I think there's those weeks where he gets, like you said, the, those three touchdowns. And it's, it's a joy to watch him down the goal line. And, you know, that's 18 points right there. So I think he's got that ceiling where he, where he goes off randomly. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode. It was, it was fun. I, I enjoyed talking about Lord of the Rings and I, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you like Lord of the Rings so much. Cause <laughs> it's, it's, I feel like it's not a rare find. There's plenty of people that love Lord of the Rings, but there, there's some people that just have never seen it. And I think that's a mm-hmm. mistake, but it's unfortunate. Yeah. But that's, that's wrapping up for, the Draft Zone Season 2's episode of Lord of the Rings. Thank you for listening.